All right, are we starting? Let's do it. As you yawn, just a huge, huge yawn. Is that the energy you want to bring to the podcast, Max? I'm getting it out now. You gotta be bring energy. That's why I'm standing. Can you hear the standing in my voice? I can. I do you hear the sitting and slouching in my I, voice? I can. I can hear you have a you are verbally slouching right now, and I need you to get hype because okay. we're here and we're gonna record an episode of Fields of Work. I'm Sam. <laughs> I'm Max. Welcome to Let's Fields do it. of Work. Here we are. Hey, Ben. What, what do we do on this podcast, Max? What don't we do? Oh, <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, half the time, we just shoot the shit about our week. That's um, true. But sometimes we talk about the, the, the fields of work that we are in and what we are uh, up to at our jobs or things that we deal with on our jobs uh, and try and uh, sometimes compare and relate what we're going through and sometimes really just bring to light the absolute opposite of what we do mm-hmm. um and but, and how do we know each other oh uh, you know mutual we go, friends we go way us. back to, <laughs> you could say right yeah yeah way back to 1996 is that when you were born yeah come on yeah. man i almost lived an entire lifetime before you were born can you Hold even up. imagine zero to ten is an entire lifetime <laughs> yeah kind of like maybe a small bird <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just saying, I, I remember I, a time before you were even alive. Thank you. Well, anyway, we talk about, we call those the dark times first time. <laughs> no, it was called the glory me, years. Give me two peak memories from zero to ten that make those years so great for you. <sighs> zero to ten. What were good about those years? Well, you had I, a goatee, but definitely already had a goatee by ten. Definitely didn't have a goatee <laughs> at ten. You're a real funny guy. Really laughing it up. Well, let's see. What did I do before I was ten years old? Played some good hockey. I think Mozart wrote up like a <laughs> something by the time I, uh, he was ten. I had a pretty great. I had a pretty great hockey card collection that I loved rearranging by various uh, methodologies. What were some of those team uh, positions? I mean, that's obvious. Like teams are obvious, right? I sometimes I would rate, hometown. I would do it like with some one of the stats, like goals or games played or. Okay. You know, sometimes last name, sometimes, you know, all sorts of different things. You got to change it up. And I just couldn't understand why mom didn't think this was the most fun thing in the world. When you put all your cards out and looked at the like, backs of all of them. Let's reorder these. <laughs> I also put them into a spreadsheet. Oh, that's impressive, actually. And I felt like I had a cool – man, actually, this might be <laughs> like, – Indicative I thinking, of your – I remember thinking I had like a cool professional job because I was taking – hockey cards and typing in all the stats into a spreadsheet i'm like this is what people do for work right like I'm a it's not far guy. off it's not far off it's what some people do well that's funny that you made mom do that because i wonder how it compares to now she didn't really have to participate in this but um her sitting there witnessing me do traffic jams with my hot wheels yeah well at <laughs> that point you were the fifth one of us to uh think that was a lot of fun to do because i also did that yeah i did the auto show sometimes i'd park my cars in cool positions yeah. um yeah, that was poor mother. <laughs> I know. Poor mom. I'm sure she thought it was adorable. So yeah. you had a great card collection. Whatever happened to that? I think I gave away a lot of it. I don't know to who or where. Some of them might still be at our parents' house. There's a good chance. I think there's still some binders, I'm sure. I think I, sold, I definitely sold some. Turned a profit. Nice. Probably. <laughs> so that sounds like zero to ten was pretty good. You had a business. Yeah, I did. <laughs> You're a small business owner. Yes. I in in I can't remember which grade it was first or second grade, my buddy Matt McGeechy and I we had two businesses. One we sold candy to brothers and friends, uh, and mom was our supplier. She supplied us for free, so our profit was just our margins were incredible. Her margins uh, were <laughs> mom's <laughs> margins were terrible. Yeah. And then and then, uh, dad taught me how to draw a stupid looking penguin cartoon penguin, so. Uh, Matt and I wrote a how to draw cartoons book that I illustrated with only that drawing and he wrote it and we so sold you want it. a cartoon that has one penguin style. It's like this uh, penguin has like an alligator face and then I would sometimes draw it, uh, blowing fire. Okay. Sweet. And dad, and dad taught you that. Yeah. With the alligator face or was that a Sam invention? I, I, I think he taught me the alligator face too. Oh, what a good guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it does. You know what? Pre-Max sounded pretty good. You had pretty much lived a lifetime. Yep. 
And then you came along, and eh, whatever, it was fine. All right. Well, before we get too far into this, let's. We didn't do a check-in round, and that's supposed to be our thing. And I've got one. I've got one for this All right. week. All right. So, for our family, this this was always how it was. You get to request a birthday dessert. Uh, what are you requesting? Not when you were a kid. I'm talking about now. If now? you were gonna ask somebody to make you a dessert, anything. What do you want? Strawberry shortcake. Strawberry shortcake. Has anyone ever made you like a good homemade strawberry shortcake? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I, I had some in, in this uh, last vacation in Cape Cod. Emily's mom okay. got the stuff she, together for a strawberry shortcake. She knows and I like lots of different versions of it too. Like I'll, I'm not picky about the the bread. Like it can be like a pound cake. It can be even like a biscuit. Any sort of like tasty pastry, and then strawberries, and then whipped cream. All right, that sounds pretty good. What about you? Um, my go-to nowadays. This means it's pretty topical because my birthday was a couple weeks ago. Um, is we're still talking you, about that? We had, yeah. Like, across, like, well, people. Episodes. Here's here's the thing, Sam. The forums, the people, the internet just can't stop talking about it. So I'm just, you know what, I'm just riding that wave. Yeah. But uh, anyways, um, my go-to is uh, carrot cake, usually, right. which we had uh, when you visited at the restaurant. Yeah, the healthiest of cakes. Yeah, definitely. They definitely don't fill it full of no. spices and top it in usually like a quarter inch to half inch of uh, icing. Yeah. But I've had, So when know, did you discover that you really liked carrot cake? Because that was not a staple growing up for us. We did not have carrot cake around. No, I don't know when I first tried it. Um, actually, I have a vivid memory of really enjoying a specific slice of carrot cake. Wow. When I first moved to Ann Arbor, there was a coffee shop that had it, and it was stupid expensive for, like, one slice of this cake. I mean, it was pretty big, but it was one of the things, and I was like, oh, I'm really hungry. It's the only pastry thing they have. I'll get that. Um, I was, like, 19 at this point. Um, I'm sure I had had it before then. But anyways, I had that that slice, um, and it changed things for me. It was changed very good. World. Wow. Changed my world, and then so that became my go-to. If a place had carrot cake as a dessert, I would try and get it. If I had, if I had the the stum- the tummy space for it, I'd get some, some carrot cake. Great. And my coworker made me a, a homemade carrot cake for my birthday nice. with carrots with carrots from the farm, and it was very good. So nice. maybe one of my maybe one of my favorite ones yet. So all right, cool. All right. good check-in round. Do you feel checked in? I feel hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel hungry too. But huh. yes, I'm also feeling checked in. So all right, cool. Follow up. Uh, we don't. We always make space for follow up, but I feel like we rarely actually have follow up. The idea being here, anything we talked about on the last or any previous episode that we wanted to follow up on, but we actually, truly, honest to Hoyle, have a follow up item today. We do, and that is uh, last week you went to some sort of assisted suicide uh, class. Did a terribly depressing class, but I thought you know I should go and learn about natural dying. Of natural course, natural dying. Yep. Um, but what I actually learned about when I got there was terribly not the crowd I expected. Hmm. Uh, held at a farm, which was weird. Did not where I expected to kind yeah. of have that class happen. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I did attend a natural dying class, which is more uh, what it actually is, is dying things with food scraps or things found in nature. Um, this specific person teaching the class was focusing on food scraps and things like that, which is partly why I was intrigued because at the farm we're surrounded by different uh things that we're always getting rid of and i knew that some of them could be used to dye clothing and fabrics so right that was kind of the goal for going and now i'll be teaching with one of my coworkers a class on natural dyeing at the farm in november so this was also kind of a precursor to that all right give me give me teach me right now you're on right. the class which is weird because it's a pretty hands-on class but we'll mm. do this via uh, an audio medium this will be good people are gonna love this anyways yep. But all you basically do is you take a natural fabric of sorts, whether that's linen, um, cotton, you know, um, any of those things, basically. There's a bunch of other ones, silk. Um, and you basically put it in a bath where you soak it for a while to get rid of any of the chemicals from the washing process or in the manufacturing process. From there, you um, throw it in another bath that basically is called a mordant bath, which is just prepping the fibers to absorb color. And then the third bath that you put it in is your actual dye bath where you put your fabric, whatever you're, you're dyeing, into um, a pot of whatever dye you created, um, which How is usually – How do you usually, create dye? I mean it's incredibly simple. If you're doing – like we did a red cabbage one. You literally just cut up a red cabbage in chunks, put it on the stove, boil water with cabbage for a long time to extract the color. Um, and then from there you're going to end up soaking your, your, your garment in whatever color you create. We did – Cabbage, marigolds, and turmeric were the three hmm. um, dye baths that we is, did. What color is turmeric? I would have guessed it would be like a yellow. 
It does. It makes like a it makes a darker like orange yellow, kind of like a terracotta y. And marigold, color. I'm guessing, is also yellow. It is. I just realized this is an audio medium. I went. To, I was about to go grab my apron that I dyed with marigold. Not worth it. Um, but yeah, it's a bright yellow color. And then red cabbage is the weird one. It actually dyes things like a blue green. What? Yeah. So. I feel like we shouldn't shouldn't call it red cabbage then. I think it's. I mean, it's named more about what it visually looks like oh, versus right. what it, it dyes clothing. Like red, right. 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 <laughs> It'd be kind of weird for them to dye it called, you know, blue dye cabbage or something, but it looks red. Um, so that's kind of the idea. There's a bunch of, I mean, I bought her book, but there's also just a, a wide array of things that you can pull dyes from. Uh, and a lot of them don't match up with what you expect, like avocado skins dye things like a right. You told me this blush yeah. color, you yeah. know, Mo- like a uh, like a like a purplish pink. color, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff like that, and so. The class itself was really small. It was a group of like eight or nine people, but it was on a farm in the Berkshires, um, which is pretty pretty out there. Um, I've never haven't been to the western side of Massachusetts very much. Um, really pretty, like six acre vegetable farm. Um, it was a pretty nice day, and it was just, it was a beautiful drive. I've never been out how, any of those how roads. Drive? It took a while. It took like two uh, two and a half hours okay. or so. Um, no totes flying out of your truck this time. I brought a car, so that oh, was okay. good. <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, no, no, no problems other than just traffic, man. There's always traffic everywhere in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. at least the start where the east side. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it was a good class. It was worth. It was definitely worth the time. It was cool. cool. Like I said, it was somebody that I followed on Instagram for a long time. Um, so to get a chance to meet her in person was like a mini celebrity to me. Obviously, not to other people, but um, right. And it's cool just to talk to uh, talk to some of the other people that were there. Um, some people drove in from quite a distance too for this class. So, uh, the real test will be when I actually have to teach people in November. Yeah. Um, are you we'll going to practice some more before then? Oh, we're going to practice a lot because okay. I need to pick out like some dyes that you we can make, pr- make me something. Sure. I'll make you something. Make me, what are you going to make me? I'm not sure. You have to send me, uh, I'll find some, if I can thrift something or find something that's a natural fiber, then I'll dye it and, and send it to you. All right. You got a request? Yeah, I, mean, I don't really care what it is, but I want it to be dyed um, camouflage. Oh, good. So that was that's funny. Yeah, we'll find that plant. I'm pretty sure that's definitely a camouflage plant out there. I mean, I think you mean you the speckled the right, if you write, and everything, right? The right technique, yeah. I think it's okay. more of a technique thing. Okay. You weren't looking for the one thing that's going to dye it all these different shades of green no. at the same time? No. All right. So it'll be like tie-dye then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll work on it, but right, we'll cool. see. I gotta pick. I'm trying to pick out what we're gonna die with. You can use um, coffee grounds, which is pretty cool. I produce a lot of coffee grounds you from do. my, <laughs> um, not necessarily from our farm, but like peach pits, um, onion skins, uh, lamb's wool. Don't think so. But that'd be pretty cool if we took their wool and dyed it, huh? Well, yeah, yeah. That's what you should do. Have lambskins ready to go to your students. Be like, here, these used to be on our lambs. We took them, and now you can dye them. Lambskin sounds like a person. <laughs> um, well, you know what? This is this. This can segue into lamb update. Um, we were been feeding them in a different area, and there were a bunch of burr bushes over there. Uh-huh. And them home, them homeboys got oh. all up in the birds. <laughs> so we got a sheep. Yeah, we have Velcro sheep and their wool. And literally, as my coworker was feeding them, and she saw them getting near the birds, and she went, "Oh no, you've ruined your wool! I wanted your wool." <laughs> um, so I think they did it as sabotage to to ruin it for us. Yeah, they but, they, um, so they know they know what's yeah. gonna happen. So that'll take a lot of effort to get all the birds out. So it probably why, won't happen. Well, why do you have to take the birds out? Yeah, you guys aren't. You guys already shot down my idea about taking their skins and doing cool things with them. Making hats and whatnot. Oh, no. We're not going to take the – she was originally thinking of keeping the wool. That's something you could request when we take them in to keep their the fiber and oh, stuff. Oh, wait. Yeah, you uh, can get the wool without the skin, can't you? Yes, sir. How do you think wool <laughs> is made? <laughs> they really like shave that. those oh, boys. Yeah. They do not skin them. <laughs> I, I otherwise, that. Otherwise, the wool industry would be a lot <laughs> more awful. <laughs> <laughs> it really would be. Uh, a lot less of a sustainable uh, fabric yeah. when you're cutting skins off. So anyways – um, we'll segue into lamb update. They're good. Nothing new other than getting themselves coated in burrs. Um, nice. And nothing nothing new with the pigs either. And lambs do go next Tuesday. The first five will be. So by the next time we do the podcast, I will have to tell you the tale of hopefully a successful drop-off, not any drop. I mean, I'm guessing drum. your involvement it, it kind of ends at getting them on the truck. Yeah, getting them on the truck and, and 
it's really more the person who's driving the truck and the trailer. But uh, loading them into the truck is a huge pain in the ass because as dumb as they are, um, they do realize something is up when you put them into an enclosed trailer. <laughs> they don't assume field trip. They don't assume good things are happening. Can't ever. you just put some oats in the far end of the trailer and like have all of them get on there very quickly? Sam, are you a farmer? Because that's pretty much our plan. <laughs> I mean, it's... I feel like I could be. Oats at the front of the trailer, shake the bucket a lot, get them all in there, and then yeah. the person gets out, and the lambs lambs will hopefully hang out. Um, we'll see how well that goes. I, right. For me, right now, it sounds like it's a perfect plan. But Seems good. Yeah. You didn't uh, think me as like the brightest animals in the world. No, nah, I think you called them, what, slack-jawed idiots or something? Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, next week we'll have an update on on how the, land, the first five did. Um, I imagine the second five is going to be a lot harder where they really sense that they, those five got on that mystical looking trailer thing uh-huh. and never came back. So we'll see. Maybe Just they're tell not them that they're going on vacation. And the yeah. first ones, they were like extra good boys and girls, so they got to go first. And now, <laughs> and now you're going to join them. And, and where do lambs go on vacation, Sam? Florida. At, Oh, you're supposed to do a pond or something like I know, but I couldn't. Well, you could even think like Williamsport or something, or I don't what? know. What? That's a place. Well, Williamsport. I guess, God. but it's not like a well-known vacation place. No, it's just the first name that came to my mind. The sheep don't know. You think sheep know the difference between Williamsport and Florida? I was trying to. Be, the per the the people listening they wouldn't think they wouldn't get it. Now I'm going to stand here and, and think of. Um, don't. We do not have the time. Where We're not good enough at improv. Go vacation? We're not funny. This is why we don't do a funny uh, advice podcast where we answer people's questions. Where do people go? Like California? No. Mm. Florida? The Maldives? The Maldives? <laughs> oh, it's fine. Let's move Lam- on. Not lambs and Caicos? No, it's actually <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but whatever. All right. Uh, this is stuff gone off the rails. No, what are we 20 rail. minutes we're, in we can call it here i think <laughs> we're firmly on the rails firmly. what about you what's how was your week my week was good pulling up my calendar <laughs> i do we need to write a song everyone out there has musical talent help us write a jingle for sam's this is this is like when you guys used to do useless yahoo news sam mm-hmm. oh, and eric like, would bring that back eric would sing your little song for you yeah. Yeah, I should bring that back. Uh, what did I do this week? Well, let's see. I facilitated an action meeting uh, with the client with actually uh, a, a person who we haven't had much time to interact with yet, but she's important. Uh, so we were able to spend a little time uh, with her team and, and show her how to run this type of meeting. And she seemed into it, which is good uh, for the success of the work um, and is always fun to introduce someone who really gets it like to this new way of of running a meeting somebody who can like really see what the benefit is um so that was that was cool and then other things this week um yeah not <laughs> not a whole lot of interesting stuff i i feel like the project like, okay. the project continues to move forward in a positive way we are uh you know we have a a, a couple of projects that we are moving forward um and yeah things are things are good and they feel more coherent than they have been in a long time this is gonna backtrack real quick when you said an action meeting with this person what is the specific goal of an action meeting or this specific one an action meeting is generally a weekly meeting that a team will have to quickly make sure everyone's on the same page with the state of the work of the team and then together generate a, an agenda of topics or conversations that they need to have to move the work forward with the idea being when we step out of an action meeting after 60 minutes, we have unblocked as much of the work as we possibly could. Uh, we have articulated all of the next actions that we needed to articulate in um, while we were all sitting around the table together so that we can each leave and hopefully for over the, the course of the next week, be able to move forward on all of our work um, as effectively as possible. Gotcha. So this was actually one of those meetings yep. for, okay, for, yep, the project. For, for her and her team, all of her direct reports. Sweet. So she, you said she's new to the group or a new person coming she, out of the, kind of the new boss of, of this group. Gotcha. 
Cool beans. Uh, yeah, and you know, went into the uh, the client's office at least one other day this week, and just did some in person working sessions. I'm always even even if we don't have explicit things scheduled, just going in occasionally and being in the same space uh, is really helpful. Um, so trying to do that more consistently. Did that uh, yesterday, actually, and um, today has been ideally. Thursdays are all about like writing the newsletter and getting some other stuff written, but I've had just weird things kind of popping up here and there all day, so I actually have not yet sat down and written the the Ready's newsletter, so I'm going to have to do that after dinner tonight probably. So we can bring this up now, I guess, because mm-hmm. you brought it up to me before we're on. So you are potentially not going back to your, your, your office space, not your client's office, obviously, but the no, one that the you WeWork. have been using. Yeah, so I've had for the last couple of months, I've had a shared, I've had a my own desk in a shared office at a WeWork that is within 15 minutes walking distance from my apartment. And um, I made the decision yesterday, that or two days ago, that it just really wasn't worth it anymore for me to make the ready pay, you know, f- close to $500 a month for this, uh, for this space for me, when I much prefer... Uh, working from home, it's much easier, it's much more pleasant, and I just wasn't using it uh, enough. So I've been, I, I submitted the the paperwork to end that membership, but you know, it basically doesn't end until the end of September, so I still have it for a while. But I've been slowly moving some stuff back home. Gotcha. What was the, the reason behind that? Uh, primarily, so the reason behind originally doing it was that I thought having space outside of my home would be it was really important and I thought it would help me work better and I do still believe that I still think it's really helpful to have workspaces that are outside of where you live and kind of keeping those lines very bright but because I didn't have my own private office in this WeWork space it actually wasn't that pleasant of a place to get my work done especially because the nature of my work is that I am either on like video calls with people, which you can't really do from a shared space. So I was spending most of my time in these really tiny, dark, hot phone booths where you take calls. Uh, or the other thing that I'm frequently you're, needing to do. Oh, I was say you're cutting out a little bit there. You're oh, robot no, bo- internet. You, ro- you robot voice for me for a second. I mean, I caught most okay. of it, but hopefully it's not all in the recording as sure. Robot Sam. Sure. Well, Robot Sam probably sounds pretty cool. Like it did sound pretty cool. It sounded uh, like Daft Punk. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> I, I learned that the work that I most need to do in an office is not well situated. It's, it's not the, the, the office that I had at WeWork was not well situated for that. So if I'm going to be on calls all day long, it sucks to have an office space where I have to be in a phone booth when I could yeah. just be at home in my beautiful home office with plants and windows and actually have calls from from here. So some days it was nice to be able to go somewhere else to to get work done. Um, I, I liked kind of like the 15-minute walk between home and the office, but I just couldn't justify it without, with you know, I couldn't justify that amount of money for a non-private office. If I had a private office there, it maybe I, it would have been better, but I do not. Gotcha. So. so now I'm going to be working, either working from home or working from the client's office. Oh, and that was the other thing too, is that, if I'm not going to go, or basically every day that I woke up for the past several months, I had three choices in front of me. Work from home, work from WeWork, or work from the client's office. And honestly, I should be spending probably more time at the client's office. But because I had kind of three choices, I, I probably wasn't going there as much as I should. So now if I'm feeling like I don't want to be at home working, my only other choice is to go to the client's office, which is honestly probably the correct choice gotcha cool well mm-hmm. i'm sure you'll have to update us i'm sure it sounds like you're not going to really regret <laughs> making that decision uh, maybe maybe i mean part of the idea of originally doing it was also like get out of the home and meet some new people uh you know be part of the community at WeWork. i didn't do any of that at WeWork. i went to WeWork. i talked to the person who sat right next to me sometimes i t- talked to the person who sat behind me and I worked, and that was it. I never really went to any events. I didn't do any networking. It was that was not a, a that's not going to be a thing I'm going to miss. 
What kind of work are the other people there doing? Do you know what the people around you are doing? The one guy next to me, he's some sort of Cuba consultant. Dodge, the uh, <laughs> consultant to Cuba, the, the country. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Like he like helps people go to Cuba or he helps Cubans do a thing. I don't know, but he spends a lot of time talking in Spanish and reading Twitter, reading Cuban Twitter and and you know, this I got all of this basically from our first initial conversation where I didn't really catch all everything he was saying and then just you know, hearing snippets of phone calls as we worked next to each other for several months. Gotcha. So you guys never actually talked about the nature of your work? No, no, not really. <laughs> he didn't he didn't he struck me as being very similar to me in that he will happily make the three minutes of small talk that you have to do when you initially meet someone. And then he was particularly uninterested in me and what I was doing from that point onward. And honestly, the feeling was mutual. Yeah. All right. So well, basically, you, you didn't best, talk to anyone else. Best coworker <laughs> I've ever had. Yeah, it sounds like it. You guys, you ever, did you ever catch his name? I think I know it. I'm not gonna say it because I don't okay. know if you like if you say his name and then like Google like Cuba consultant. I don't know if he pops up, but yeah. <laughs> that's probably the first. Yeah, that's probably the first Google thing that comes back for Cuba consultant. Yep. Um. All right. Well, so long, we workspace. Yep. So long. So long indeed. All right. So what? Do we have a topic this week? I think we have a real topic. I do, and I, I asked it as if I didn't know when I am the one who came up with this topic. Okay. Yeah, and I. We'll see how this goes because I thought about this. Well, we did a lot of weeding today, so basically I was on all fours, just like spent my entire day pulling weeds out of the ground. Do you wear um, knee pads when you had... weed? What's that? Do you wear knee pads when you weed? No, I'm sure when I hit like the age of fifty, I'm gonna have to, or I'm gonna have no knees left. Um, but right. I should have. Yeah, my knees are hurting a little bit. Actually, my whole body hurts today. Okay. But anyways, I had this was to say I have plenty of time today to think about the prompt that you had given me. Okay. Um, and still struggled a bit. To come up with some stuff. All right, well, maybe I can um, but, help kind of coax it out of you. Yeah, I think it's... We'll, we, we'll, I think we've we'll also talked question. about it a little bit as well. Yeah. Sort of. I'm a little bit on the what makes a good bad versus, you know, yeah. farmer consultant. Um, we, it came up a bit. But we can... Well, I guess we can... You can go ahead and prompt right. the actual question. So, I don't know... Vague. Yeah, I don't know where the inspiration for this question came from, but it just struck me as something that might be interesting to talk about. And it was the idea of exploring so what parts of your job align with your personality and which parts run counter to your personality because i think regardless of how well suited a job is to you i think it's probably impossible for every single aspect of a job to be 100 percent suited to kind of how you are as a person ideally we all find jobs that more or less align with our personality uh, but I think even in those cases, there are going to be things that you have to do in that job that you would rather not have to do or they don't come naturally to you and you somehow either need to change the job or your or your natural inclination in order to, to do it. So I was just kind of curious about about what that stuff is for, for you. Gotcha. So, yeah, I think one of those <laughs> – this is weird that this should be hard for me to identify. Um, I struggled to identify like specific, maybe it's cause it was hot today. It was so hot. My brain, <laughs> my brain wasn't working. It was just fried in there. I was trying to identify parts of my personality that, you know, like concrete <laughs> descriptor words and then think about how that applied to farming. Sure. Um, so like the easiest being like, you know, I'm a fairly on average overall introverted and, and self-sustaining yeah. person. Um, and when I thought about that with farming and things that, that, goes well with farming and it does because I mean honestly a lot of the time depending on what kind of farming you're doing you're spending a lot of time working solo um, even when you're in the same field weeding together you're still kind of you alone with your thoughts and with mm -hmm. the job that's in front of you um, and I know a lot of people that would bother a lot that they could you know I could go a whole day and speak very few words to anybody um, right and you know to me that is perfect that's actually the way that I like working most of the time and is that um, true, do you think, for your colleagues or are there people who you work with who are obviously extroverts and they either, you know, always find somebody to work with uh, or or is everybody kind of like that? I think this year, because these are all somewhat more experienced farmers, everyone does seem, oh, Boca, you drink so loud. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had a waterfall in here. Um, most of my coworkers this year seem maybe because they've been farming for quite a bit and they know that's kind of a thing. I think it's harder for extroverts to stick it out in the farming world because sure. it's so isolating at times. 
um, that they're all fairly like me where they can they can check into a conversation and be there and have, you know, be playing the, the weeding game that we're playing or do some of the stuff that we're doing or talk, you know, for an hour or two. Um, and then they can also go quiet for a long time um, and kind of, my goodness, your bladder is not that big. You're a tiny puppy. Um, and then they can also disconnect like I can, you know, and not talk for a while. But I've worked with people before where they do. And then the other thing is it affects their work, actually. They're like seeking out moments to talk versus um, seeking out moments to work um, or, you know. Um, they're talking. I just had a vision of you as like a sixty-year-old man, like running a crew of farmers, and you being like, "Hey, are you you seeking opportunities to tur- talk, or you seeking opportunities to work?" <laughs> and uh, I mean, honestly, that's kind of how I feel at times. Where it's more <laughs> of what it is is it's people like can't talk and work at the same time, and that's if you can't do that level of multitasking and work on a farm, then sure, you're never gonna get anything done because you're gonna doing things in little in little blips, you know. Um, so that's part of it for sure. That introvertedness that I have, I think, almost always works in my favor as a farmer. Um, but I don't doubt that there are there are definitely times I'm trying to think about what when does that not work? Um, and it's it's in sales most of the time. It's when you're trying to actually move your product um, because you need to be like at a farmers become, market or yeah, at a farmers market or making those relationships with with restaurants or mm-hmm. with grocery stores. You need to, and this is something I'm not great at because it's not my natural inclination is to you need to become you know from farmer to salesman so you need to switch that you need to flip the switch and become a very outgoing um trying to move your product kind of person right how do you Um, get good at that i think you just i mean you need to work a lot of farmers markets and be oh what are you bargain at and need to be okay with just like starting to just realize that you know you people are gonna say no to you and people are not gonna want your stuff or people are gonna walk right by or you're gonna have to do these you know it's just what anyone who does sales is you get okay with rejection. My God. She doesn't understand proper microphone etiquette. Yeah, you have to talk to your dog. Yeah, five months old. You know, I thought we would have had that by now. Yeah. But um, so for me, and that's part of the reason I don't like doing farmer's markets when, you know, this farm I was excited because they don't do farmer's markets. Right. Um, but you've yeah. done a bunch of farmer's markets in the past. Did you get more comfortable doing them or get better at them while you were doing them? Yeah, I definitely think – I mean I wouldn't describe myself as being bad at them. It's just every job has those things that you would rather not do. Right. Um, but I, I was still fine with them and, and I could I could become that level of outgoing when it came to making sales and having a bunch of little small talk about you know mm-hmm. food and farming and how do I cook this and all those things we've talked about. Like right. you, I, can, I can do that um, and I can do it for a few hours, which is like you know, what a farmer's market takes. Um, but it does wear on me in a way that, you know, a lot of the other parts of farming don't. Um, and so, you know, I think a place where my personality does not help me is in that aspect. And also in the aspect where I'm not a naturally upfront person that's going to like, again, the sales thing, but like seek out, you know, go to a grocery store and be like, listen, I've got this organic produce, blah, blah, blah. Like I'd like to start working with you to sell my stuff. Um, can I interest you in a cucumber? Take yeah, a, come, you, come with me and see the best cucumbers of your life. And that's honestly how actually a lot of farmers do it is you bring a gift, a little gift bag of what you have grow at your farm and for them to try it and give them an idea of what you're doing, especially with restaurants, you know, to kind of show them what you have and the quality of your stuff. But that's not me. Like I don't, I mean, I, it can be, and I definitely think I can work on it. Maybe it's because of the positions I've had on most farms is I'm not in that role. I'm a f- crew member. I'm not the manager making right. the sales happen. Um, so I know that in the future, for my future farm, that is going to be something that like I will struggle with because for me, there's I think I mean, it's true for every job, but there's farmers who just love farming and being in the soil and doing the hard work and being outside all day, and there's those that are way more into whether it's specific food or whether it's moving the product and really love the business side of things. Um, and I think my my natural leaning is more towards just the farmer. Um, hard work, manual labor, being outside kind of person. Right. Um, which is sometimes why people pair up and it's a perfect being a, a yeah, farming relationship where you're ask yeah, like, what where does you that have mean a, for partnering with someone. So if you can find that person who enjoys, you know, at Sealy in Ann Arbor when I was there, that's Alex was the, you know, did most of that. And it's cause she was not only, I mean, she was incredibly talented when it came to the accounting and all of the invoicing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also kind of, I think where, each of yeah, their talents kind of naturally lied, and um, 
you know, Mark was phenomenal at running the fields and being in the fields. And that's where he wanted to be. And it was like a perfect division of labor. Um, and, and so I think it's funny. I just want to jump in and say, like, you, you could also be describing like a tech startup. Like, yeah, there are, are people who just want to like be in the code and developing product. And as their company grows, like they don't want to necessarily be the, the CEO or they don't want to necessarily run like operations. And that's, you know, where you very commonly get partnerships um, in the founding of companies as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, and maybe that's in the cards for me in the future or I mean, also over time, it could just get a lot better. But yeah, that's, that's the possible. main the main one that kind of sticks out to me. I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know. It's it, most of the other thing it comes down to is less personality traits and more, which are another thing you could work on are just like physical things that you can do. Um, we talked about this when you know we talked about good and bad farmers of wearing many hats. When it's true for all small business owners, but you know there's the the aspect of being a small farmer is you should probably understand small engine repair or be decent at making those fixes on your own or right. um there's a lot of times when carpentry and mechanical skills um are needed without you know if you need to make a quick fix or if you don't want to spend a lot of money to hire a professional to come out and do a thing um and I, you were raised in the same family as me we are not the most mechanically <laughs> and no. carpentry and and any of that inclined is that something um, you're actively trying to get better at here's the thing it's also one of those things that i've kind of decided that i'm not all that interested in getting better at it gotcha. um so and i've heard this at farm conferences before is sometimes you just need to decide what things that you just are going to outsource and you won't be good at personally right um and maybe you could and maybe i could become good at that personally if i dedicated the time but it, it, but it actually doesn't it. yeah it's not worth it, it doesn't even it doesn't even interest me really right. um i would rather spend hours learning more about the business side of things the marketing side of things and the accounting um than maybe be out there trying to fix an engine on a tractor um right. which is a hard pill to swallow because a lot of the people you interact with on a farm and other farms are good at those things. Right. That's what they would prefer constantly. to be doing. Exactly. And which, you know, again, could be a great partnership, but it's almost more frustrating to be like, you can look at those people making those fixes and think like, I should know how to do that. Or I should want to know how to do that. But right. I don't like the interest is just not there at all. Um, so I'm kind of, I mean, I'm kind of just already coming to terms with the fact, which maybe it's good that I've just accepted this at a certain point that like, I am not going to be building a, an addition onto my barn for a wash pack. I'm not going right. to be, running the plumbing or the electrical for any of this th stuff like i will have to work it into my budget that i'll pay another person to do that task um but there's definitely f individual tasks like that um the jack of all trades that yeah. i am not good at that i would have to become better at yeah. but and i i just realized we gave short shrift to one of our brothers who actually is very good at this stuff uh i feel like nate is pretty handy yeah, well, if you know Nate, if you want to start a farm together, this would be good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a good division of labor here. Um, that's true. I didn't, I didn't bring that up, but he is, and he's done it all pretty, you know, on his own, learning on his own. Yeah. Um, because it again was a thing that interested him, and he did get a master's in architecture. So, you know, that world is obviously more interesting to him than maybe accounting and things like that. Granted, yeah. I think he does. I think he does some estimating now. So, yeah, I think he, <laughs> he does it all. Numbers. Yeah, <laughs> he sure does. He's the most competent of all the Spurlins, I think. Oh, definitely. Zombie apocalypse. This is a future topic, but zombie apocalypse. Nate, Nate should be high on your draft list. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm right behind it because I will help you really organize the, uh, the, the, the organization of our new society. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, team, that's, that was pretty nice. Teaming, to good teaming so behaviors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm a pretty key skill set. I think I could just throw out there that the top three would probably be Nate, Mom, and then me, but oh, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> what? Mom's Mom's medical plus. Uh, oh yeah, Mom's way up birth. there. Plus yeah, she's good at taking care of people. That's true. Yeah, she raised so many so many kids. Yeah. Um, Is your dog bowling? What is yeah. She doing? No, she's um. Yeah, no, she's taking up woodworking actually. Um. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take her bone away from her and move oh, her no, a few feet. Oh, no, she's going to be so upset now. No, I'm not going to take it. No, I'm going to take it. We're going to try and move her to another one of our rooms. Oh, wait. Oh, she heard me. She ran. Okay. okay. She's, right. she's gone. Okay. We're good. All right. Um, <laughs> she's been so good for so long in yes, this podcast. It was, it was about time, time she had a bad episode. Exactly. Exactly. But, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't think of other – this is – Well, bad. so here's – I couldn't a, think of other personality traits was the thing I was struggling yeah. to think of today. Well, here's um, a question for you um, related to this. So – Obviously, when people are deciding like what they want to do for a living, you know, some people decide to 
go into finance and Wall Street because it's important for them to make a lot of money. Uh, and I would assume that is less important to you by virtue of the decisions that you've made to, you know, do this, which is not known for making a ton of money. Is that is that true? Or well, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious to hear you talk about that. It is. It is true. I don't think I have in my mind a, a fantasy of like lavish living. Even before I became a farmer, I think mm-hmm. um, I was okay not being someone that was making like six figures or someone that was going to maybe live in a really large house or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really of interest to me overall. Um, that being said, I am not also one of the farmers that's willing to potentially live in a <laughs> I've known farmers live like in an impoverished state because they feel right. that you know the job they're doing it gives them all the the fulfillment and satisfaction they need, um, and it does give you a lot. But there's also, especially in this new way of lean farming and intensive planting and things like that, there's a way to make decent money, fifty, sixty thousand a year potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, um, working for yourself. If not, you know, some people are, are making more, and that line was enough for me. You know, that wasn't. Right. I, I'm not striving. To turn my farm somehow into, you know, I pocket 100, 120000 a year. Mm-hmm. Don't know how it would, it would be done to begin with uh, without people paying more for food. Um, right. And, you know, and that's also not – I'm not trying to do, to do that hustle necessarily. There's right. also a level of, of um, selling away your soul and your time to farm 24-7 to, to try and make that profit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I never really thought of it as a personality trait before, but, you, I mean, it is true that – that I yeah I'm okay with with not um, right being rich <laughs> right uh, per se yeah okay cool that's that I think I mean I think that's tied to to personality for sure yeah and I don't necessarily know where that stemmed from or if there's any experience with that but I mean maybe we never grew up around a, a lifestyle where people are making a ton of money or anything but like yeah. it just never really, it never really even um, seemed that all that appealing to me yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we, we grew up very middle class, so. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm destined for, which is pretty solid. So I'm yeah, right. <laughs> not, not bad. All right, cool. Well, I think I think that, that satiates my curiosity for for you. This can be an ongoing thing as well, because I, you know, like yeah. I said, these things always are running through my head as I'm farming, and I'm sure I'll find myself being like, oh, this is a part of farming. And actually, I should ask my coworkers again. This is kind of farming, you know. That's the thing I love about this, but I think a lot yeah. of people would really hate this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, which is true all the time. Um, I mean, I, I also just putting up with you know whatever is happening to you. Like I'm very okay with working in an absolute downpour. Right. Um, you're soaked to the bone. It is miserable, but at the same time, there'll be moments where I feel like very good, uh, even though that's happening around me. I'm still very much enjoying what I'm doing. Right. Um, and I think that takes also a certain kind of person. Um, so yeah, I'll keep it. It'll be an ongoing thing. I'm sure if I think of more, I'll bring more up. But okay, um, let's talk about you and consulting. And all right, cool. Well, I think there will be some commonalities even, here. Yeah, and maybe even in teaching. I don't know if anything. Maybe that would be more yeah. the negative side, but it'd be interesting to hear about the teaching side of things too. Sure. And uh, while you do that, I might go uh, move my dog to a different room. <laughs> okay. Good luck. <laughs> be, be, want me? Want me to wait for you? Let me just fill, uh, fill, fill dead I'll air. I'll be super fast. All yeah, right. yeah. Fill this dead air. Talk. Right. You know what? You have a fake sponsor, Ed, or something. All right, cool. I'm going to grab something nearby here. Here I am today with 365 Everyday Value Sparkling Water. The flavor is lime, the best friend of lemon. It is the spicy water that makes you feel refreshed. Uh, so if you have some time, go to Whole Foods and buy some 365 Everyday Value Sparkling Water Lime Naturally Flavored with Other Natural Flavors. It's the, it's the go-to drink. It's the bee's knees. That ad was for what? Every, it was for sparkling water. Lime. Okay. Oh, all of them, not just a brand. <laughs> no, 365 Everyday Value. Okay, thank you. Whole, Whole Foods store brand, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I'm drinking a – this is going to be kind of awkward because I'm drinking a polar sparkling water, and they also paid me to, to advertise. Oh, dueling. Yeah. <laughs> dueling but, companies sponsoring our podcast. Man, I know. awkward. Yeah. Who would have known that we had the sparkling – the seltzer uh, yeah. demographic, but apparently we do. Yeah, so. we, definitely, well, we definitely do. Let's see who gives us more money and who we endorse fully. Yeah. Exactly. But mine does tell you it's you know it's guilt free though, Sam. There's no juice, there's no sweeteners, there's no sugar, mm. and there's no well, there's with natural fruit flavors, but that's not really that much of a 
doesn't say much Mind, about those natural mine flavors, says, huh? best served chilled, zero calories, zero sweeteners, zero sodium, zero caffeine. Please recycle. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yes. Wow. All right. All right. <laughs> you take care of your dog? All I did was buy us 15 seconds tops. Okay, great. I'll talk Shib- fast. That'll <laughs> be fine. She's yeah. great. She's part of the podcast, guys. And what's That's in right. the show is the show. So. That's fine. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, the what – if we had some real ass sponsors and not this make believe BS that we just did, maybe we'd uh, edit the podcast and, and and make it more professional. But you know what? Labor of love. Sure is, sure is. So you know what? We'll grind out the first hundred episodes, but I think by episode one hundred and one, the people will catch on. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So consulting. Yes. So aspects of my job that fit well with my personality. A couple things that I jotted down. I also tend to trend introverted, and I do have a lot of time uh, at this job where I work individually, where I can spend an entire day or multiple hours of a day thinking and writing and or you know producing some sort of artifact that we're going to use for the project. So I do have a lot of I have I have ample time just to myself, which is exactly what I need uh, in in a job. Um, I think there's an element of my personality that like, there's a reason I was attracted to teaching and why I've done a lot of coaching, either like personal development coaching or literally like athletics coaching, like hockey coaching, something about my personality likes like sharing what I know with other people and being helpful to, to them. And that is a huge part of my work right now. Like that is what I spent a lot of time doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think this is, oh, so then what then two other things. So, uh, I, I have a, I am naturally very curious and the nature of consulting, or at least the nature of the consulting that we do is that I don't specialize in any one industry, which means that I jump around from industry to industry for each project, which means I'm learning a lot about how different industries work and just everything there is to know, everything that I can know about, you know, about these different types of companies, which I really like. Mm-hmm. So um, being very, like, you like the, the lots of general knowledge about many things. Do you, yeah. does it bother you to not have... I mean, this is not specifically yeah. you'd want a ton of knowledge about one industry or something, but there's always the battle of, you know, I know a lot about, you yeah. know, no, sorry, I know some about, about many things. things. Yeah. I actually I jotted a lot that, about one thing. I jotted that down because it's like, it's not as clear cut as, as saying like, well, this is one side of my personality and this is the other side because I think I have competing, I think we all have competing aspects to our personality. So while I like being able to jump around from, from industry to industry. I also sometimes catch myself wishing that I had a job where I could just go deep on a specific topic or skill set and just focus on becoming an absolute expert in that narrow thing. And consulting doesn't really lend itself to that because there are so many discrete skills to consulting. Like, are we talking about writing? Are we talking about you know being able to have a conversation or giving a talk? Like, these are all different aspects of it. And, you know, sometimes I watch a movie or, or I read something, you know, like Jiro Dreams of Sushi or, or somebody who's like a master craftsman in this like very narrow thing. And the idea of being able to fully dedicate myself to becoming a master in something is something that I wish I potentially I wish I had more of at least sitting from a perspective of not having that right now. I think I want that. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe if I was actually in that position, I'd be like, man, I wish I could go do something else. Yeah. Would you go insane if you had to make sushi every day? Maybe. For... Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to tell myself that I would, you know, find the, because that's the, the thing about someone who's an expert in something like that. They think it's utterly fascinating and it's different every day. And it's a, a sign of how well, you know, the thing to be able to perceive those differences. So I, I hope I could do that. Uh, but, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I think I could though. I mean, we get like tiny tastes of that. As you know, we both played hockey. We mm-hmm. both have watched a lot of hockey. Yep. But I, I don't know if this is something you do, but I very frequently will watch NHL games with uh, on mute because oh, yeah. I yep. would Same rather here. 
perceive just from seeing what is happening on the ice what is like what the mood of the game is as opposed to having sometimes idiot announcers telling me what they think uh, i think i picked i think i picked that up from you when you told me you did that i was like i think i watch well i do with a lot of sporting events now i watch most sports on mute but hockey's i, I almost always will um yeah and the thing is for like, that reason yeah you know what's going on and you can pick up on things just because you have seen a lot of hockey and you have played a lot of of hockey so i think that's like a tiny smidge of kind of the same thing there yeah which definitely makes me miss being around that culture all the time with playing and things like that too or coaching did you notice that with i mean was oh, yeah. coaching a coaching, nice extension of that sure. when you were coaching hockey and i think that coaching like actually took it to a whole new level like once i started coaching i watched hockey in a totally different way because mm-hmm. watching hockey as a player you're kind of you're putting yourself in the shoes or the skates of whoever you're watching watching it as a coach you're seeing more broadly like the decisions that are being made around line matchups and things like like that and systems um so that was a, a lot of fun, and I think added a whole new layer of my understanding of the game. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I hope to I hope to do some coaching eventually at some point. I feel yeah. like it's a good way to continue staying with hockey. Yeah, um, for sure. I've got got so many good ideas to share. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. what was your coaching innovation, Sam? Do you have any coaching innovations? Uh, I mean, I have been arguing for a long, long time. I know, I know where this is going. <laughs> what about broken sticks? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Come on, everybody. I don't understand why the norm is that when you break a stick as a player, that if you're a defenseman, you take one of the forward sticks. And if you are uh, a forward, you just deal with not having a stick until you clear the puck out of the zone. And and then you're able to go to the bench and either line change or grab a new stick. I think the second your stick breaks anywhere on the ice, you immediately go to the bench and you get a new one. Because you are absolutely useless out there. So I'd rather have a shorter period of time with absolute uselessness and then get back to full strength as opposed to just playing with one arm tied behind your back for who knows how long. Yeah. You're like that. You're going to be the, you're going to be like Patrick Wass and you're going to change the game. That's right. The whole pull, pulling the goalie earlier. Yeah. Go back and get the call the Sam Sperlin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the, the problem is I saw somebody in the NHL did that recently. It got scored on. And right they got scored on. Immediately. <laughs> but I think that was a fluke. I think it yeah. was a fluke. I think a, it, we need more testing on this. That's, mm-hmm. that's my big uh, innovation. Is, is this your bid to become an NHL coach? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just an advisor. I'll just be an advisor. Consultant. That'd be, that'd be a cool – or like a, a consultant, NHL consultant. Yeah. Uh, or like an NHL scout would be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be. Right, uh, so aspects consultant. of – yeah, so that don't fit well with my personality. Like you, I sometimes need to be an extrovert. Actually, a lot of times I need to be an extrovert. And those are times I am getting – I am getting better at turning that switch on and becoming that way and, and showing up how I need to show up to successfully navigate a situation, whether it's a conversation or leading a workshop or something like that. Uh, but it's always, there's always a moment of recognizing that this is not what I would prefer to be doing and um, kind of wondering if I'm doing a good job or not. Gotcha. Do you do you have any like techniques that you use to like get yourself in that mode before now, or is it kind of just like? Well, a... um, yeah. Kind of, well, it depends on the situation. I mean, one of the main things I have learned is to minimize minimize back to back like full day extrovert days. So like having to do two or three days in a row of a workshop or an offsite or something will just wreck me for at least a day afterwards. So if I can, if there's any way that I can, you know, do a all day workshop and then have a day where I'm mostly by myself, that's a lot better for me. It's not always possible to do, but when I can, I'll try to create that situation. Um, other than that, I don't know. Not really. Other than trying to be really overprepared for situations. I feel like when I've, when I'm very well prepared, I can, I, I'm less anxious, and if I'm less anxious, it's easier for me to be engaging and interesting and less self-conscious. Yeah. So if I'm in a situation where I feel like I am not prepared, then it's harder for me to turn on the, the extrovert because my brain's being too loud. Yeah. Cool. So what else? Uh, I'm glad we have that in common. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. It seems like your work requires I, – I would say, obviously, your work requires you to be uh, extroverted way more often. And actually, one time – one thing that I find myself, and I don't know why this is so different. Maybe it's because I'm talking about a thing that I love. But when I give tours, I really, really enjoy giving mm-hmm. tours to groups of people around the farm mm-hmm. um, because I do like that teaching aspect. 
I don't necessarily love having volunteer groups working with me, but the chance to just show people the farm, like yesterday at the yeah. farm dinner, I was giving a, a, a guided tour of the farm to a group of people. Find and I rats. really, really, you find we, we didn't, we did not find any rats. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really felt yeah. it was not stressful. It was not taxing. Uh, it felt good to, I mean, how it always does to teach anything, but I felt good to share the knowledge that I had about what was going on around me to somebody that was interested in the yeah. idea or what we were doing. Um, and that is definitely an extroverted moment, but yeah. maybe that is quickly and easily offset when it's a thing that, um, when I'm talking about a thing that I really, really love or a thing that I'm yeah. very, you know, um, invested in because it's a yeah. farm that I'm spending a lot of time on. But, um, yeah. you think it'd be similar at a farmer's market, but I think it's the, the many, many interactions you have at a farmer's market yeah. versus the one prolonged tour that you have when you're kind of giving that to people. Yeah. Um, the farmer's market that. also just has this very objective, uh, aspect of like whether or not you were successful by how much you sold. Whereas, yeah. you know, something that's more amorphous, like a tour, like you can see, like, are people nodding? Are they paying attention? Are they asking good questions rather than like, did they buy this thing that I'm trying to sell them? Yeah. And you know what? The other thing I hate about a farmer's market um, is haggling. Uh, that's <laughs> insulting. I know that is a thing that people do. And it yeah. actually means that you respect what the people have to offer. Yeah. But um, I'll tell you what, me as a farmer at a farmer's market, I do not enjoy that. No. It prices, means disrespecting me. Signs and prices are there for a reason. It's yes. so that we have so we can minimize our interaction. And you can give me the amount of money that's on the sign, and or I can give you the amount of money that's on the sign, and you yep. will give me the produce, and then that is the end of our interaction. I'm 100% with you. I think the word got out in Ann Arbor that you could prey on me. and be like, hey, if you really? go to that, you that Sealy stand, and it's like, that guy, you just pick up one cabbage and say $1, and you just go back and forth <laughs> with him for a while. He will get so uh, uncomfortable and upset that he will give you that cabbage for a dollar. Um, because he knows he's losing money, but he just wants to be out of that moment. Yeah. He will pay you money to. He will lose money to get out of that moment, yeah. and I did, and I hated, oh, I hated haggling. Yeah, you got um, that might be a thing you have to get better at, my man. Yeah, you can't be losing money what, on each transaction. <laughs> didn't that happen at a lot of farmers markets? Um, Ann Arbor one just because it, was, it had way more people, and I think it had more of uh, more international people in general who were used to that culture. And like Grand Rapids, people are just like throwing money at you and like, yeah, whatever. They know yeah. what they're buying, um, but it was yeah, it's not something that I'm great at. I will get better at. I think. Mark got really good at just saying just no. It's just, like, just, you just yeah. does not care and just yeah. say no over and yeah. over. Um, so I have a lot to work on there in that yeah. in that, <laughs> that field. Sure. All but, right. So any La- other things? Yeah, one one last thing. Uh, maybe this is actually more of in the personality or maybe it's something I've just learned about my personality through doing this work. But I have learned there's an aspect of my personality that I don't – and I don't know if I'm – I'm not proud about this, but I'm learning this about myself that – I want to be known, not like super famous, but I want to be known in my field and Mm -hmm. working at a company like The Ready and being comfortable writing articles and putting out podcasts and things of that nature allows me to kind of scratch that itch uh, a little bit. So there's some element of, of what of my ego that likes being like, oh, like being connected to a well-respected company and being able to say that, you know, I've been there from the beginning and have helped kind of craft what it has become. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some like weird, not weird. There's like an element of, of fame that I think I have craved. And fame is the wrong word because again, like I'm not, I don't want people on the street to recognize me, but like within the world of org design, uh, I want to be known for the work that, that I do. I mean, just, uh, just like a, a well-respected and, and yeah. yeah, is that kind of what you mean? Like, I mean, like for other consultants or other people to be able to know, you know, potentially who you are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah. that's not necessarily, it's obviously not necessarily a bad thing, but I could see how it would potentially at times hinder um, you as well. Do you ever feel like it gets in the way of like you putting out a piece of writing because you feel like it's not good enough or so you maybe, not maybe. creating content because you don't think it's up to par with what you want associated with your name. Honestly, it might even be kind of the other way around. Like I put out too much shit and should like be like trying to edit things more or like have a higher level of quality if I want to be known for, cause I don't think I'm necessarily there at that, at that point, Let's... even though there are like 
small interactions that I sometimes have where people are like, oh, yeah, I read, you know, a thing that you wrote or something like that. Was this a weird way of you saying that our podcast is shit, Sam? (laughs) (laughs) I meant, you know. Should edit it more. I was, (laughs) I mean, we have, we did spend at least a a couple minutes of me sounding like a robot while your dog bowled in the background, so. Guys, that's what makes us special. It's a real, it's a realness, Sam, that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah. Other podcasts, they'll edit that right out. Yeah, not us. We'll let you know. That's not how we do it. No, I'm sitting here with a dog bowling yeah. back in the background. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's natural. We're just sitting around a table just having a chat. We are. That's what we're trying to create. Cool. Well, this was a, a fruitful topic, I think. Thanks for uh, playing along with me. Yeah, thanks for proposing it. I'll, uh, there will be so, there'll be plenty of follow-up, I think, in future episodes. Sure. It won't be follow-up at that point because I'm sure it'll be like, three episodes from now. I'll remember a thing. Mm-hmm. But um, um I think it's and it's another thing to update too, and always talk about like you know did yeah. this get better um, or maybe more clearly how can I get better at this because sometimes there's things where I'm not good at them and I I almost don't even know how to approach it to get better at it. Yeah. Um, whether that's I mean maybe finding another farmer or somebody who knows or who does a very good job of that or finding someone that you you know is good at that. But um, there's are there are definitely times where I'm like I know I suck at this and I don't know what I should be doing to not suck at this as much. <laughs> right. Yeah, gonna get you one of those personal mastery dashboards. Remember we talked about that. It's gonna happen. That's my plan. I have <laughs> right. winter time where I'm not working, and I've yeah. been actually a good future topic here is like I've been making a list of like how do I fill my winter time so I don't lose my mind. Right. Um, from from working full time to to not working maybe at all or maybe only working a couple hours a week. Yeah. Um, I've actually created like a winter to do list, and on that is to create that kind of like master list curriculum thing for myself as a farmer. Cool. Um. So well, it'll, it'll definitely come back up, especially once that snow starts falling yeah. and I've got no lamb updates, no yeah. pig updates. It's going to become, uh, become dark times over here on the this side of the podcast. That will be. We'll keep it bright. Yes, we will. All right, dude. Well, uh, have a good day and uh, I'll talk to you next week. See you, man. I'm going to go take care of my dog. All right. Tell her I said hello. Well, I will. Right. She'll remember you. All right. Bye. See you.